What's up, everybody? Happy you're having a happy new year. Welcome to this week's edition of At Large Bid. This is a really special one uh, here on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network because it's rare I get to put on for my hometown. Uh, but I'm very excited to you know, go back in time and look at a very special time in Cincinnati basketball history. Um, I'm Tim Daniel here on of host of At Large Bid, and we are joined by boardroom writer Ian Stonebrook. And the reason we have Ian on today is he wrote an awesome article displaying a time that UC fans hold very near and dear to their heart when the Bearcats were the ultimate swag college basketball team because they were the Jumpman basketball team. So, Ian, welcome to the show. First off, before we get to say thank you for being on the show, I got to say thank you for uh, writing this article because it's something where, you know, those of us who get to cover the team who are blessed and lucky to be around the program, we get asked all the time, like, is there a possibility of them being a Jordan brand school again? And I know last year there was a dispute with Under Armour. Um, there's a lot of people who don't love Under Armour, uh, myself included. I love Steph Curry, but I just wish he was on another brand because I can't wear Under Armour sneakers. Uh, I, I'm a Notre Dame football fan, and I can't wear Under Armour. That's how serious it is. Um, so I'm excited that you wrote this article. It was great when it popped up. So thanks for thanks for writing the article, and thanks for coming on the show. Oh, yeah. It's my pleasure. I need to I need to change my app to uh, Ian Stomerick 517 because that's the Lansing zip code where I'm from. So yeah, uh, small world. Yeah, absolutely. The 518 is actually, uh, it's a tribute to my sister. Uh, oh, okay. date. So yeah, unfortunately she passed a few years back, but we'll get into that another time. Um, so this is kind of, like I said, it's a really cool time because you kind of go back and you talk about when Hugg Huggins came over and took over the UC program and really brought them back to kind of national prominence. And, you know, there, it was kind of interesting because I think one of the biggest questions I got was, were you able to kind of figure out why it was like, they were more, uh, they went straight to Jordan than UC or how that that came together where they approached or was this like, you kind of talk about it a little in the article, but do you kind of remember when you, when those pieces came together? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, I definitely had to do a lot of research for it. Um, you know, I was born in 88, I'm 33. So while, you know, I had Kenny Satterfield, you know, Cincinnati Jordan jerseys as a kid. And I was very much like a child of that era, you know, Huggins started at UC when I was one years old. So, you know, I can't cap and say that I was watching, you know, I know Nick Van Exel is a Laker, not as a Bearcat. So, right. Um, yeah, you know, I did a lot of research. Um, you know, obviously, like, you know, you say, you know, me Alex Meacham was, you know, was and is really the co-author on this piece. You know, he in the Bearcat basketball podcast, um, you know, uncovered a lot of it. But, um, you know, another thing I got to mention is um, I believe the name's Alex Heidel. I could be butchering that. But from UniWatch wrote a really great piece years ago on the same subject. And one of the things I learned from that is that so Huggins had Huggins um, when Huggins first got to Cincinnati, that was the era when the coaches had their own deals or contracts, if you will, with brands. So like Nike had individual deals with John Thompson at Georgetown with um, like Eddie Sutton. So like when Eddie Sutton took the Kentucky job, Kentucky basketball became a Nike school over instead of Converse or really not even Nike school, just a, a Nike basketball team. So that's how things operated in the 80s. It wasn't until basically the mid-90s when the Fab Five blew up, Nike saw the dollar signs associated with everything that they endorsed um, North Carolina's entire university. And, you know, things basically kind of went in that direction since. So I say all that to say is that um, from my understanding – Ed Jenka had a who worked for Nike for years, had an individual deal with um, 
Coach Huggins uh, at, you know, with Coach Huggins himself. So in 89, you know, in the early 90s, Cincinnati is a Nike basketball school. And over the course of that time, Huggins is a regular at all the Nike basketball summer camps and coaches clinics. He becomes friends with Michael Jordan uh, through George Raveling. And um, basically, uh, it's presented the opportunity to be a Jordan school. You know, Jordan brand started 97, uh, 98 season. They're looking to outfit some schools um, in their image. And um, as Gentry Humphrey explained, like Cincinnati just fit fit the profile in terms of the way they played, the red and black color palette, um, being in the Midwest where they didn't have a school yet, and obviously Huggins' relationship with Mike. Yeah. So for me, it was cool. You know, I'm the same. I'm 32, so we're on the same age. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, you know, and I was from here, so I watched those teams. And it was easy for me to catch on and watch them because, you know, like all of us in the 90s, I grew up a Bulls fan. Yeah. Uh, still am. Still am still near and true. And finally it's fun again. Um, but you know, for this, so to see that red and black and see them coming out with like, you know, the, he got game 13s at games and then, you know, the bread 11s and the corn concord 11s. And it was so neat uh, just cause you weren't seeing all the teams. Like you kind of mentioned uh, with the fab five and Alex mentioned in the, in the piece where they all wore the same shoe. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this team comes out and they're wearing all the exclusives and no one else has. And, you know, that's when I was like, my parents didn't buy me a lot of Jordans. So like, that was like when I got older and made my own money, it was, that was part of the reason I saw those guys wearing those. And I was like, well, now I have my own money. I got to buy those. So it definitely kind of had a slippery slope there for a bit. Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the interesting things too, like you said, Alex makes a great point that it's like, you know, the Fab Five had this really unique balance of um, brash individuality, but also like unity amongst the five of them. So like, Typically speaking, like it'd be all five of them in a flat Hirachi or, you know, Air Force Max or things like that, where Cincinnati was different. You know, they were one of the first schools where and I, I put, you know, the Arizona Wildcats in that same era with, you know, Bibby, Miles Simon, Mike Dickerson, Jason Terry, all, Eugene Edgerson, um, all those guys in a similar boat. But it's like every player on the team was really wearing different stuff. And, you know, an interesting wrinkle, too, is like. It wasn't always Jordans. Some of those guys were still wearing Nikes. Like Demar, uh, you know, Johnson being from DC was a big phone posit and thus flight posit guy. So he was wearing those a lot, as was Kenyon Martin, even though he was from Dallas. And uh, you know, Kenny Satterfield would be playing in, you know, uh Air Garnet threes that were black and blue that didn't even match, you know. So <laughs> there, there was a lot of, you know, cool wrinkles on top of, you know, Steve Logan wearing red and white Medicaid PEs or you know, the retros that Kenyon and James Flight White, um, you know, and Meech when he was playing with where. So it was uh, they, they they made a statement for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, you talk about those guys and like Melvin, uh, Melvin Levitt, yeah. who's one of my favorite humans in the world. Um, shout out 21. Yes. And he kind of talked about um, the team Jordans were something he wore. And like, if you follow Melvin's Instagram, Bearcat Jam, he still posts like, he'll go to like sneaker stores and he'll find like those, G those team Jordans and he'll still like wear them around and stuff. So it's pretty cool. I remember one time I asked him, I was like, do you have any of the stuff you have like left over from there? He's like, I kept all the warmups and the warmups <laughs> were so sick. So that was like, yes, thank God someone still has them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Like, you know, team Jordans um, for maybe, you know, us being 32, 33, maybe for people that are in their twenties now. Um, and, you know, to be fair, maybe even people that are in their forties now, um, kind of get a, a bit of a bad rapport, but for folks like us who were, 
10, 11, 12 years old when Jordan Brand first came out, they were awesome and still are to me. You know, I mean, I think a lot of the models from that era that the Bearcats wore, that Eddie Jones wore, that Vin Baker wore, um, you know, you name it, uh, are, are still are still super cool. And uh, I know uh, Matt Toma Michael, who runs corporate, who's also good friends with Mel, was like, yeah, when the uh, when the Royalty 12s came out, you know, a couple weeks ago that are the same, uh, you know, kind of same powder motif as the Taxi 12s, you know, already had a pair on hold from Mel. So it's it's pretty cool how deep it runs. I'm a, I'm pretty bitter about those Royalty 12s. So uh, took that L on sneakers pretty hard. Man, it's uh yeah, it's it's a wild time for buying shoes, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I uh I got lucky. I got a buddy who somehow tracked down buying the cool grays for me for Christmas. Oh, nice. And so um they're they're sitting on ice right now in the shoe closet. Very cool. Yeah. So um kind of like get back to the point of this because I could probably we could make this a full sneaker podcast at any point, believe me. Um I think one of the things that really kind of jumped out was I think you know, you talked earlier about how at that time it was like the coaches had the deals and that's how the, sh- the teams were going, uh, kind of going. And at the end of Huggins tenure, it wasn't really that way, but still it was like, it felt like this UC deal was kind of exclusive to Bob because when Hugs left and Andy Kennedy took over for that year, it was like, it started deteriorating a couple years later uh, when Mick's there, they're in Adidas school, they're in the tournament wearing those God awful zebra uniforms that, I just never want to see ever again. Um, and so it, it was kind of unique in that circumstance because it was like, you know, the way I understood it was when UC and Bob parted ways, um, Jordan and the Bearcats, Jordan Brand and the Bearcats also parted ways. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, that is, you know, and I got to credit, um, you know, like I said, that same article, Bob, I believe it's, his name's Alex at UniWatch um, for that information. There was a archival, um, you know, newspaper clipping that basically pointed that out. So, yes, um, Despite, you know, operating in a era where most brand deals were, you know, holistically covered a university, especially one the size and scale of Cincinnati versus just a particular coach and their, you know, their piece of that program. Yeah, that was the case. So basically when Huggins left, uh, Nike and Jordan left too. And, you know, I mean, I think that says a lot because... You know, even though maybe there was, you know, like some of the newness could have worn off, I guess it would depend on who you ask. Um, man, I, everything I gather, Mike's a pretty loyal guy. And, you know, I don't think many people felt that Huggins was done right there. So, you know, even if they were sitting on a cash cow, I think that was a pretty easy call for them to, you know, pull any deal. And, you know, um, you know, Cincinnati, as you said, became a free agent because of that, signed with Adidas. Um is now Under Armour, and I'm right in believing that the Under Armour deal is uh is is kind of on the fritz. Yeah, I've I've heard that a couple times. Um, I don't have any inside info on that, but that's been like that was the biggest question when I asked like my friends and family who are diehard Bearcat fans. I was like, "Do you have anything you want me to ask Ian?" <laughs> they were they asked me. They're like, you know, in his eyes, could you see a situation where you know we get that we get this reunion once that contract's up for grabs? Yeah, I mean, I'd say yes and no. I mean, the only reason I'd say no is like, uh, as we know from the last dance, Michael Jordan does not forget things. So right. yeah. if um if there's not, you know, if there's still, you know, bad blood or ill will, you know, in regard to hugs and Cincy, um, I don't think it happens. You know, I just I don't think that's how I could be wrong. The flip side of that is Jordan Brand has been very strategic in terms of 
So, you know, basically I'm, I'm blanking on the year. It would have been mid mid two mid 2010s. But when, um, you know, I kind of always say like when uh, Mark Parker kind of got in that, you know, like big uh, almost like, you know, got on that summer jam screen screen and was like, you know, Nike is going to hit, you know, 200 billion or whatever, um, whatever the revenue they want to hit. That meant Jordan brand, you know, I got to salute my old boss, Matt, for basically giving me this, Mahatville, for giving me this information, had to, you know, basically double or triple their category, that piece of the pie. So because of that, that's why we see them doing stuff in college football, in international soccer and things like that. So I say that all that to say is like, that's why Jordan brand has Florida and Oklahoma under the umbrella and, you know, University of Michigan. So there is a world where, you know, UCLA was kind of one of, I don't want to say casualties, but unexpected free agents from Under Armour basically pulling out of a lot of their bigger, um, bigger college brand deals. You know, kind of when Under Armour was red, red hot in the mid-2010s with, you know, like Steph going off and, you know, just like all their apparel going nuts. Um Rather than investing in a lot of individual athletes, which generally speaking was smart, they went really heavy into college sports. And also, like, they're supposed to have the MLB deal. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the numbers didn't hit or project, so they're getting out. So, you know, it's possible, you know, I'll say all that to say is that it's possible if Cincinnati's, you know, back on the bargaining block that, you know, Jordan Brand could be interested. But, um, I think it'd probably have to take some reconciliation, you know, um, with hubs. And, you know, even then it's still, it's still strategic because, you know, West Virginia is a Nike school, not, you know, not a Jordan school. And obviously the politics and stuff are different um, and how deals are done are different now than they were back then. But, you know, a, a great, a great piece of information that didn't make the story that was in uh, Alex's conversation with hugs is that, when Hugs got to Kansas State, the AD or somebody called him in and was like, uh, hey, we'd really like to be in Nike school. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll see what I can do. Call somebody from Nike on a Thursday. That following Monday, they're in Nike school. You know, like he still has absolutely, you know, crazy pull. So I don't know. We'll see. I feel like this is where like a Travis Kelsey could come in handy. Mm, um, yeah. I know Travis is a Nike athlete. But, you know, if we get him to be a Jordan athlete and obviously, the you know, right now, the most famous alumni in sports of Cincinnati athletics. Sure. Um, so, like, you know, you get a Travis Kelsey out there and he signs a Jordan deal. I feel like, like you said, they're so strategic. This could really I feel like we're putting something together here, Ian. Hey, that Yeah, that Kelsey piece is is, uh, is genius. I'd love to see it happen. Yeah, I would, too. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I kind of wanted to circle back to you talked about just like what this team meant in the mid nineties. And we've seen like the, you know, we have the infamous picture of Tupac wearing the Cincinnati pullover, um, easy E wearing Bearcat stuff and things like that. And I really feel like even though this team, you know, they went to the final four in 92, you know, they were a one, two seed for a long stretch there uh, during hugs prime. They're bringing in these guys, these like great huge recruits like Kenyon and DeMar. Um, and I almost feel like I can kind of compare this team, not just to the fab five, but before then, it's like it feels like it was like the late '90s, early 2000s UNLV of those yeah. Greg Anthony, Larry Johnson's teams. Just like that culture, and like one of the things that really attracts me so much to basketball, um, and everyone, and every sport has this. I'm not saying they're sold, but it feels like the hoop culture means so much more than like 
football culture and baseball culture as far as like to society. And I feel like when you kind of look at that era of the Bearcats, it's almost like it's like our small little piece of like those Greg Anthony, Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogman, UNLV teams. You know, that's a uh, excellent um, <laughs> having a loss for words is earlier. It's uh, been a been a busy morning, but uh, it's an excellent comparison. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, stylistically, whether you're talking the way they played ball or um, the apparel they wore. Yeah, it's dead on, you know, like UNLV and Cincinnati, both funny enough, almost played basketball like football. Like there was a mix of that, like backyard playground style, but there was also that force and, you know, tenaciousness, you know, somebody could definitely draw a line from Larry Johnson to Jason Maxell, you know, yeah. um, you know, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely would agree with that. And I mean, you know, it's funny, I, like I said, I grew up in Michigan, so I grew up very close to Ohio. And because of what Cincinnati basketball looked like, like Cincinnati in my head was in New York, <laughs> even though it's in the state next to me, you know, and that's yeah. the thing is, you know, anybody who's ever been to Ann Arbor, like, you know, wouldn't be turning their head left and right of me and thinking like, oh yeah, this city has fab five written all over it. You know I mean? I'd even liken it to, you know, growing up a huge Georgetown fan, you know, as a kid, I thought Georgetown was an HBCU because of what John Thompson did to empower his players and his roster. And even the way that they, you know, like aesthetically with the Kente cloth, like, you know, it definitely had a feel that, you know, was bigger than geography. You know what I mean? Was bigger than enrollment. And yes, yeah, Cincinnati had that. And, um, you know, even though they've had, you know, the Travis Kelsey's, the, Lance Stevenson's I don't think that they've had um they haven't had the same feel since uh since Jordan Brand left the building left the yeah shoe. I completely agree because when you're at the shoe and you look up and you see all the retired numbers and that's I'm talking like past like the Jack Twyman era you mm -hmm. know it's it's seeing that stuff and when you're in their practice facility um it's really neat because it has like the list of all the guys who've been drafted up on the wall and you see, like, you know, Melvin didn't play an NBA game, but he was drafted. Kenyon didn't, right. you know, Kenyon obviously was the first pick in the draft. DeMar was a top set, was a top seven draft pick. Um, and DeMar's working back with the program, which is awesome. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. I got a really funny DeMar story, I'll tell you. I know this is probably going everywhere. So it's all, it's all good with me, man. I'm here for it. So <clears throat> what was really cool was the first time I was credentialed to work at a basketball event was uh, the Big Three, Ice Cubes League. Oh, and yeah. they played at Rupp Arena. Mm -hmm. um for their first season and it was cool because there was Kenyon, there was james white there was damar um there was another bearcat alum forgive me i'm forgetting their name at the moment and so at that time it was the this, this they played on sundays the saturday before the white cement fives dropped okay and yes, so i am in line at champs in our local mall behind damar as they're heading down to lexington and so and I'm like talking to him because I know who he is, obviously, from following who right. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? I'm like, I'm going down tomorrow. I'm actually it's, I'm working the event. I'm excited to talk with you guys. Um, and this guy behind me is like, hey, who is that? And I'm like, that's Demar Johnson. Uh, he used to play basketball. You see he played in the NBA in the Denver Nuggets with Carmelo. And the guy goes, oh, cool. So he acts like he knows him. He walks up to me. He's like, hey, man, can you play this bullshit basketball league Ice Cube started? <laughs> And DeMar goes, yeah, I'm playing in it. 
And he goes, oh, crap, man. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I got a chance to, uh, uh, you know, big thank you to Tracy Sanders who set it up, but cover the big three this past uh, summer in Vegas. And, uh, man, a lot of fun. It is fun. Uh, yeah, I got to talk to James, uh, really bright, really good dude, and uh, it was cool. I um, I remember I was in a press conference for the first game, and it was like the Gary Payton coach, te- coach team that had like Mahmoud and Kwame mm-hmm. were playing. And I asked him a question. I was like, why'd you guys, you know, obviously it's half-court offense, so everything's kind of thrown out the door. But I was like, how is the pick and, full, pick and roll so effective for you guys with those two, you know, just kind of asking a typical basketball question. And when he answered my question, he did not break eye contact. It was scary. <laughs> I was oh, like, yeah, GP is, uh, GP is awesome. I, I yeah. mean, uh, one of my favorite players definitely growing up, but, um, got a chance to meet him once at all-star and just cool as hell. But yeah, that's a great question too. Cause that's immediately where my mind went. You got one of the best, uh, uh, best bodies to set screens ever in Kwame. And you've got, you know, arguably, um, you know, if not the greatest, at least top five, you know, off the ball or I'm sorry, off the dribble shooter in, uh, in, uh, Mahoud. So, yeah. Yeah. I could talk hoops like that forever. So that's, that was fun. Um, one of the cool questions I got was kind of, you know, actually, I think I asked you all the ones that my friends gave me. Um, but so we'll just kind of, you ready to shoot the shit for a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Awesome, man. So I think one of the cool things I really loved about the piece was like kind of going through and just remembering that time, like we kind of talked about and just remembering like in school. So I grew up on the Kentucky side of the river. Mm -hmm. And at this time, you know, the cats are really good. This is Patino leading into Tubby. This is they're playing for national championships. UC is kind of come up and coming. And we had this huge thing where like people around here know what I'm talking about. There was legitimately, even though they never played each other on the court in that time frame to like Rondo's freshman year at Kentucky in the tournament. Okay. There was legitimately a beef. There was a rivalry. I and like, it, yeah. yeah, like Kentucky fans were like, we're better than you guys. You guys will never beat us. And you see fans are like, you guys don't play us because you're scared. And like, I guess like uh, I read uh, when they did Bob's roast for his, when he left UC, mm-hmm. Tubby was at the roast and was like, Bob said he always wanted to play Kentucky. And his last game was the Kentucky game, the tournament. He goes, oh. Bob said he always wanted to play Kentucky. He goes, well, careful what you wish for. That's pretty funny. Well, you know, and it's 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 interesting, too, because living down here, I'm in Austin, Texas now, mm-hmm. and there's probably similar feelings with, you know, the Baylors and the A&Ms in regard to UT, you know? Like, sure. if, you know, scheduling permitted football or basketball, I'm sure they believe they could get them, you know? So, um, you know, even like I said, you know, growing up in Michigan, like, I was a U of M fan growing up. Um, a Michigan State fan once I went to college there. Um, and, you know, for years, you know, Michigan, you know, Michigan was to football and they're coming back to it. Obviously, you know, salute to them, you know, making the playoff as did Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, Michigan State was getting them. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's, it's fun to see the ebbs and flows. And it's a shame that um, those cats, uh, I guess, pun intended, uh, did not face <laughs> did not face sophomore because uh, I was a huge Tayshawn fan growing up. Yeah, um, you know, and actually, you know, it, it felt like two drastically different brands of basketball. And Cincinnati being probably better in that era, but historically the underdog in that rivalry, if you will, or the you know the narratives of those schools. Um, yeah, that would have been sick. That had played out really well. 
I love Saul Smith too. Saul Smith was one of my all-time favorite college point guards. So, I mean, you know, just growing up seeing, you know, the ebbs and flows and the rivalry between Michigan and Michigan State in football and basketball, you know, two schools that have had kind of highs and lows at different times. Um, yeah, you know, to see that happen with Cincinnati basketball in Kentucky, you know, when Tubby was there, when Saul Smith was there, Tayshawn, all those guys, um, I think would have played out really cool because, you know, stylistically, even though Cincinnati probably would have been favored from like a Vegas betting line just because they were they were more loaded at that time, you know, historically they're the underdog in the narrative of those schools. And the fact that they played this in-your-face kind of FU brand of basketball yeah. while the Kentucky teams were still, I mean, they were blue blood through and through, even with Tubby. You know what I mean? Like when I loved Tubby, I was always – big fan of those teams growing up, but like they, they ran a more kind of manicured offense from what I remember and stuff like that. So, you know, to see those games on, you know, CBS or whoever would have been broadcasting them then and the energy uh, in Rupp and in the shoe would have been sick. High point where Tubby's coaching now is actually going to Rupp, I think next week. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he's, they're, they're doing like a reunion thing. Cause I think uh, that's, that's, I'm pretty excited for that. I know Kentucky fans are pumped as well. Um, so go to the piece. I wanted to, so I just totally had this question earlier, completely skipped over just cause we were having so much fun with everything we were talking about. Um, you mentioned kind of Alex kind of co-wrote the piece just from the, with the, with the podcast. And was this something where like, did you hear the podcast and you're like, I got to write this. Was this something where like the boardroom staff was like, have you heard this? You got to do this. Like, how did this kind of come together? Yeah, absolutely. So I was on a, uh, on a, on an editorial call with the team and I'm embarrassed because I missed one today. I'm still getting my whole boardroom email stuff set up and <laughs> didn't get the Google notification. So I apologize to, to Rich and Kevin and company for that. But, um, yeah, so Sam Dunn, my editor kind of brought up, um, the, uh, Sam Dunn, Dunn and Russell Steinberg. Those are my editors. Um, it was brought up basically that, like, you know, this stuff, you know, Cincinnati is hot in football right now. There's talks of the Under Armour deal ending. I think Shlomo Sprung, who's the writer, too, you know, kind of said something about it. And I was just like, you know, light bulb to me is just like, well, Cincinnati and Jordan Brandon basketball is at least the coolest thing to me. You know, I don't I don't know how much it matches up with, you know, the football narrative and the Under Armour stuff and, and everything like that. So I just kind of tentatively put it on my schedule for, you know, you know, let's try to get this, you know, in December or something, if they end up making the playoff or what stuff looks like. And when I was just kind of, and, and then December 1st was my first day full time. So after, you know, 10 years at Nice Kicks and then like 18 months of freelancing for Cali Barbecue, Complex, Soul Savvy, Goat, 19.9, a, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of great companies, um, Jordan Brand too. Um, I was like, all right, well, like now I have all this time to like really dive in and, you know, give everything full attention. So when I was researching for the piece, because I wanted to, you know, really hit the boardroom angle of business and sports, I was like, let me see what like the deal looked like. And, you know, also let me see too, you know, because like, you know, the undefeated, I don't have a subscription, but they did a piece that looked fantastic on it and some other stuff. And Alex Meacham's name kept coming up. And I was like, well, you know, I got to reach out to this guy, you know, so I found him on social media. I reached out and, you know, prior to us talking and we ended up talking for like an hour and a half. It was literally my first he had day. The tendency to do that. Yeah, it was, it was my it's first easy day. with him. I want to say it was December 1st. So it was like my first day full-time at boardroom and I probably spent half the time talking to him. And it's funny because 
a few days prior, I talked to Gentry Humphrey, former VP at Jordan Brand, because um, he liked a piece of Soul Savvy I wrote about him, um, about you know the cool gray 11. And I was like, hey, I think we might be doing the Cincinnati thing. So I had some quotes from him. So basically between, I think December 1st was a Wednesday, and I think I talked to Gentry on the Monday before it. Um, that Tuesday, I'm at the gym at my girlfriend's place, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking into the Bearcat basketball podcast and I'm like listening to as many episodes as I can before I talk to Alex, you know, while I'm on like, you know, the spin bike or whatever else at like double speed just to make sure like, you know, because I could tell Alex was passionate about shoes, but yeah. you never know how like Kenny really felt or Damar De- or, you know, Ruben or, you know, um, you know, any anybody else. So. I dug into all that, you know, we talked for forever and, you know, I wanted, it was one of the things I was so grateful for the information that in stories that he provided me where I was like, well, you know, I want to talk to as many people I can for this story, but realistically, I won't be able to talk to everybody. So I'd love to insert excerpts from his podcast to better tell the story and also give the podcast some shine because it's fantastic. I mean, if there was more, you know, in this era of podcasts and much more nuanced content, um every college basketball team had somebody doing the work that Alex is doing um you know we'd never watch Netflix you know like (laughs) you know you know for guys like us you know respectfully like you know if if Carolina had this if Michigan Michigan State or whatever maybe they do so um you know no disrespect if I just it hasn't come on my radar yet but Alex does really dope work and um you know I wanted to I wanted to dig into that. I wanted to highlight it too. Yeah. Alex has actually become a decent friend of mine over the past few years. Um, the first time I met him was 2019, uh, no, 2020. And it was, uh, UC was playing Memphis mm. and at, the, at the shoe it's called fifth third arena, but it'll always be the shoe in my heart. So, sure. um, and it was so cool because for me, you know, you're, you're my age. So, you know, yeah. Penny is Penny's my all time favorite player, my all time favorite player. Mm-hmm. So like it's so hard when I work a game when they're playing and I don't fan out. It is impossible for me because I'm like, all right, keep it cool, you know. So like I'm in this presser, I get to ask questions. I'm like, all right. I see other guys with credentials taking photos with them, and like I'm like, damn it, that should be me. But I'm like, I gotta be professional, you know. I gotta keep it cool. Um, so I'm like hanging out after the game, and we always do like these like recap videos after the game to like talk about what happened and stuff like that. Me and uh, JT Smith from Front Office News give him some love here. Mm. And Alex walks up to me. We start talking. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, Penny's my favorite player of all time. And we're just kind of talking. He's like, well, you know, Michael Jordan existed. I'm like, yeah, I grew up a bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sick answer. Yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. Like uh, Alex, like you talk about like his Jordan. He was literally on the local news during the pandemic talking about his Jordan shoe collection. Like yeah. literally they did a story with him on it. And, you know, I think the um, the uh, the online, you know, print, you know, written version, if you will, is what the piece that introduced me to uh, to him for this story. So a big thank you to them. Also worth mentioning, too, Penny's got a podcast now. My guy, uh, Mike Botticello. Um, what? Yeah, Penny has a, a podcast now. Uh, it's, I think it's called the Two Cents Podcast. Hmm. So, yeah, he's had um, yeah, he's had some former players and stuff on it. Um, so definitely worth checking out. Cool. I'm adding that to the list. Yeah, huge uh, Penny fan myself. Yeah. So there's a rumor Penny ones are coming out next year. Coming yes. back. Yeah, which is uh yeah, which is cool. I mean, I still have my Orlando's from 
I don't know, 06, maybe my senior year in high school. Um, they're falling apart a bit, but yeah, it's cool to see them back. I wore that game that I was just mentioning. I wore my little penny fives that had the oh, half on the tongue, the one, yep. the half a cent. So that was, yeah, those, those are some of my favorites in my collection. Um, I was kind of, you mentioned earlier when you were younger, you had the impression that Georgetown was uh, an HBCU. And I think recently, you know, kind of go a different direction here. Cause I feel like I can talk to you about everything now, but I know you also have a life. So yeah, it's good. Um, we've recently seen with HBCUs, we're seeing this kind of brand come up and obviously I was just, you know, it's kind of ties into UC. I just worked a couple of weeks ago. They played um, Florida A&M university mm-hmm. who now has the LeBron deal. So it was the first time we had seen the King emblem on a shoe on a, on a shirt. And then Chris Paul, you know, during the fact that the NBA is now allowed to wear whatever sneakers they want, has taken this liberty to kind of wear like HBCU branding on his Jordan sneakers, his exclusives. So do you kind of see, you know, obviously this is kind of a really awesome trend. Um, And it's something we're really starting to see. Like, could you see like more athletes kind of getting involved in this? Yeah, and I sure hope it happens. I mean, I think what LeBron is doing is dope. Um, Their 19s are sick, by the way. I was up close with them. Oh my god! Oh yeah, I got. I don't think I've seen them up close yet, but I gotta check them out. Um, yeah, I hope more, more of it happens. You know, I've been blessed uh, living down here in Austin, Texas. I have um, my friends uh, Kevin, uh, Dez, and Diggs run this thing called All Ball, which is like basically like used to be like a money ball run, but like a you know a very competitive basketball game that I, I mostly shouldn't be allowed to play, and everybody's. <laughs> much younger and better than me, but I, you know, just to have the chance has been great. And I've got to play with um, young men who just graduated from Houston Tillerson, which is HBCU in Austin. Uh, shout out to Greg Grovey and uh, Keenan Curry, uh, friends from Nice Kicks who went there, um, do have kicking it now. And, you know, uh, one of the guys, uh, Tajik, uh, Tajik Bartholomew, I think is his name, is a Tennessee state now. And, mm. you know, man, so much talent. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of talent. Um, you know, I mean, for obvious reasons, I can't speak on having gone one. Um, but you know, to see the athletes, um, invest in it, I think is great. One of my, uh, and you know, Chris Paul is a perfect person because, uh, his little brother played at Hampton. I'm a Hampton yeah. team that upset North Carolina. Um, I think that was a team with my guy, Ed Code on it. And, um, you know, I, one of my best friends uh, growing up, Jasper Bibbs, his older brother, Elsie, was on that Hampton team. And, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's cool. You know, I think that, you know, I think for so many reasons, I mean, in terms of academic and cultural enrichment to invest in it is great. But I think it's a big merchandising opportunity, too, because I'll say this, you know, like we have guys at the boardroom um, like, you know, Randall and Zach who went to HBCUs and. You know, Randall and I were talking about it the one time I was in the office, and it's like the support that alum, the support those alumni bases have for their schools supersedes any feelings I have about Michigan State, respectively. And I mean, mm-hmm. I had a blast at Michigan State, and it was great. And I mean, some of that is because, you know, we're from the generation of, you know, PJ Tucker kids, you know, where we right. might have gone to one school, but we're still where, you know, I have more Georgetown gear than I have Michigan State. You know what I mean? Just because that program meant so much to me. But I feel like with the actual HBCUs um, and, you know, just the fact that all the best designers right now now in sportswear, um, if they're not not products of HBCUs, they're adjacent to it. 
I think there's an opportunity to do some really, really great um, apparel that, as we see, like, you know, apparel is one of the reasons that we're talking about Cincinnati right now. It's one of the reasons yeah. that Oregon is able to get, you know, five-star athletes in an array of sports. So I hope that this recent trend um, with athletes investing in HBCUs, giving money, giving resources, giving branding awareness, I hope it continues. Yeah, me too. I definitely was working the game and went and looked and see if I could find like an HBCU crew neck for like a FAMU one with the King logo. And they're already sold out. Yeah, I know a Nike store last time I checked, um, they have some t-shirts with the LeBron, LeBron, FAMU, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's hard to find. Kind of co-branding is kind of a thing I always found interesting. And I wonder if they would do more of. So, you know, without talking too much about KD, since you guys are in the same company, um, you know, he's had a couple things come out where he's had his logo on the Texas shirts. Um, is this something you could see down the road where maybe we have a situation where the KD emblem is there on the Texas jerseys in the future? Man, I sure hope so. I mean, every once in a while around Austin, I'll see um, they had um, some shirts for a while that they sold to the games that said like hooked with like the KD logo and like mm-hmm. no E or whatever, you know, to kind of play off the hook them. And I think it's really cool. You know, I mean, uh, another story that Nick DePaul and I worked on for the boardroom was the oral history of the Nerf KD4s. Oh, and really the major moment in that was that the whole team got them, you know? And that was so big because I didn't realize until I wrote the piece, Nick told me this, they only produced 300 pairs. And I mean, that's including the pairs that Kevin himself were given, the pairs that got sent to Drake and Wale. You know what I mean? The pairs that got sent to the nice kick shop in Austin, Texas, where our office was on top of and like kids were literally camped out from Tuesday to Saturday with a PlayStation set up and a couch and a TV in December. Um, And it was colder December then in Texas than it is right now. So yeah. And I mean, you know, that is, I don't, I don't see why, why, why brands would not, especially because in my opinion, Katie's going to go down as one of the greatest basketball players ever. Um, and as brands, or I'm sorry, not as brands, but as universities uh, fight to remain relevant um, in regards to recruiting with everything that's happening with NIL over time, yeah. um, G-League, which I think is great. Um, yeah, I really lean into the fact that it's like Kevin went here for a year and was the number two pick, the rookie of the year, uh, NBA champion, multiple time all-star, um, one MVP, hopefully a second MVP this year. Um, so yeah, I really hope, I really hope that happens. I, I mocked up, um, just for fun, like some Penny Memphis jerseys playing off the Penny one lines. Like, I think that a, a Penny Jersey with a one or a Memphis Jersey rather with the one cent logo on it has got to happen, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, will it happen? I don't know, but I, I sure as heck hope it does. Yeah, me too. Um, Especially, you know, it's so funny you brought up the KD4 nerfs. So I went up to, this was LeBron's last year. Uh, my buddy and I went to Cleveland to see the Cavs play the Bucks. It was my first time seeing Giannis in person, which is not oh, fair. Nuts, yeah. Not, not fair. Um, just seeing those two play against each other was pretty incredible. Uh, but Joe Hayden has a shop there in Cleveland yes. still. So I stopped, my buddy and I stopped there because we're big sneaker guys. And the KD4 nerfs were on the shelf. And so, like, I wouldn't even pick them up. I was so scared because they were, like, even though they're in the wrapping and stuff, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do any damage to these shoes. I'll just see them from a distance. And 
they were they're just so awesome in person. Like the detail on them is incredible. Yeah, I hope they come back. And I mean, like I said, it's you know, you don't even see, you know, as great as he is, and you know, one of my favorite players, like, excuse me, you haven't seen John Morant playing him yet, and he loves the KD4. Like yeah. there just are not that many of them. So, you know, I hope a pro troll ends, ends up happening. Um, you know, I'm not mad at, you know, doing maybe like a reverse nerf or something like that to, you know, keep the cachet around the original pair. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I recently got some KD4 IDs off index and been playing in them. So um, there, I mean, yeah, to me, the KD4 is his Air Jordan 3. Like it's the. Yeah, I agree. The, yeah. So can I ask you some questions about your career? Yeah, for sure. I got the only the only uh, caveat I gotta say is I see I I didn't plug in my laptop and it's five percent battery. So if 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 I go off without a sign out, it's it's because my laptop died, not because I'm a uh, playing ghost. Okay, we'll ask you this sure. last question then, uh, just so we'll make sure we make this comfortable for you. The shoe that got you into sneakers wanted to make you a sneaker journalist. Oh man, e- easiest question I've ever been asked. The Reebok Shaq Gnosis. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up, the person who got me into really everything I love is uh, my cousin Ty, uh, Ty Swisher, who lives in Evansville, Indiana now. So, not too far from, not yeah. I think not too far from where you're at. Not and at all. Um, yeah, you know, he gave me a, a Akeem Olajuwon jersey when we were like camping with my mama and papa and my family um at indiana beach when we were kids um and the reason he gave it to me is because like he had Shaq, and Shaq was this guy now so like he didn't really need it so that meant everything to me and it was also like oh shoot like i should be a Shaq fan so you know fast forward a year or so later i'm you know i'm, I'm headed into third grade i desperately wanted that shoe and you know my mom and you know sister and mama like just go on a shopping trip think nothing of it they come back with a shoe box and my sister Devin starts putting them on I'm like oh no those are for me and um <laughs> yeah you know it was the shoe I wore first day of third grade when I was at a, a new school Edgewood and you know Okemos after you know being a Montessori kid beforehand so you know just kind of the uh the confidence that those gave me um was huge and you know a few years later you know you know, Russ, Tony, and Scoop, you know, the the legends at Slam, you know, and, and, you know, Dennis, they put out kicks. So sneaker journalism actually is a thing. Obviously, Bobito Garcia, you know, kind of started it with the source, you know, on, on a one-off thing, um, you know, years prior. And then, you know, eventually did, you know, where'd you get those? But yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing that, you know, really planted the sneaker bug. And then, you know, like, thank God, you know, Matt Allison and Nice Kicks, um, Oh, they gave me an opportunity to intern. George Keel, Peter Sim, Greg Grovey, Alex Krovac, Brittany Shelton, all these people who really taught me a lot when I was there. Um, you know, it's, it's why it's why it's why I'm where I'm now. So it's been cool. Jordan won Chicago's. Okay, yeah. What wore them in my wedding. Oh, sick. I wore the 13 pair in my wedding. That's awesome. When um when did you first fall in love with that shoe? Seventh grade, there was a kid okay. in front of me in the lunch line that had them. And this was like, so this was 2001, I'm guessing. Around there. Yeah. 2000, yeah, yeah. So seeing those the first time, I'd always seen the clips of them, like, you know, like the pictures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, actually didn't get my first pair of Jordan ones till 2016. I won the Blacktail ones on Lapstone and Hammer. Only time I ever oh, wanted nice. them. So uh, yeah, that was, that was the shoe for me. So that's the, that's the biggest one I have in my collection, all the different colorways. So. 
Well, I, I got to close out. What's the one shoe you're still looking for that you're really you're really trying to get? UNC off white ones. Ooh, man, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be tough tough to get for a decent price, man. Rest in peace, Virgil. He was uh, I got a chance to meet him a few times. Um, super nice guy, just as everybody says. Um, you know, selfishly, I, I really wanted the the sale fives. I think the, the off white five is probably my favorite, even though yeah. the two rows were great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to start writing some more good articles to have enough money to afford them, man. They're, they're going up a lot, but, um, yeah, he, um, man, he did some, he did some amazing stuff and that's a great shoe. I was, I was a big Carolina fan growing up. So, um, you know, anything done right in powder blue is, you know, top right. of the pop Just for me. Beauty. Yeah. Those. And then, I mean, I've got all the 11s I want. I got all the fours I want. So maybe those, and then maybe. I need another pair of KD Galaxies. I had to sell my when I ran into some financial shoes. So KD4 Galaxies, I need to get another pair of. Super sick shoe. The uh the Kobe 7 Galaxies from that same pack. Um really dope as well. My buddy Anthony has them. Oh yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. I never I had uh my ID Kobe Sixes that I made as if Jason Williams played for the Knicks. Um back in like 2010 or whatever. They they fell apart playing all ball this year, so I gotta get them re-glued. But yeah, huge, huge, huge fan of all the uh, the Nike Kobe stuff, and uh, I I hope they can get that situation figured out. But I'm excited for the Adidas product to come back. That's gonna be tight. Yeah, it will be cool. Well, Ian, you're running short on battery here. I thank you so much for giving me 45 minutes of your time, and we did. I had a lot of fun. I could talk all day with you about basketball, Jordan Brand, everything. Uh, before we get out of here, take a chance to shout out your social media where people can find you and find your work. Oh, well, I say first and foremost at boardroom, you know what I mean? Cause they've given me an awesome opportunity there. Um, there's quality content in the caliber of the Cincinnati stuff, you know, ranging from the metaverse to sit downs with Serena Williams to, you know, Nick interviewed Tinker Hatfield about NIL and Oregon and air Jordans, you know, the other day. So like, you know, Randall, Shlomo, Russell, Sam, uh, blanking on how to say her name michelle um bernadette like I, I can't name everybody but there's a lot of great writers um and i'm really blessed to be a part of that team and then you know i'm just at ian stonework i'm not really i'm probably you know i'm probably the worst person to follow I, I just promote my stuff and get off so i gotta be better at that but um yeah i, I appreciate you so much for showing love to the article and uh yeah uh, taking the time to talk man it's been great yeah, definitely a pleasure. We're going to wrap this week's edition up of At Large Bid here on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. Thank you all for so much for tuning in, whether it's on the podcast or on your podcast provider of choice. Please take a second to give us a nice five-star review. Also follow us at all of our social media. So on behalf of Ian Stonebrook for joining us, this is Tim Daniel. Happy New Year, everyone.